When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 You're in the oh! sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick. Marinaro on this Friday, April 21st. It is one minute past 10 p.m. Eastern. I am live in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And I'm filling in for Matthew O'Han, who took the night off. Said, Tony, I can't make it on Friday. Matt, don't worry about it. I will be there. And I'm here. We're going to be with you for the next hour. Tonight's show, I think, is going to be really, really special because there's something we have to tackle right away. And we're going to do that. We're going to have a great conversation with Aaron Portsline of The Athletic. And afterwards, Andre Turini, the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. And also, he'll be coaching Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships. Their first game will be on May 12th versus Latvia. They're going to have a camp on May 5th. So no shortage of things to talk about with Andre Turini from the Arizona Coyotes to Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships to Connor McDavid to the league to Clayton Keller on his own team who had an unbelievable season to Connor Bedard. That and much more. We'll even ask him about Montreal Canadiens head coach Martin Saint-Louis. But before we get to that, let's get to my guest tonight. I reached out to him. He accepted the invitation, as he always does, to tell you the truth, because he and I go way back. We go way back uh, when he used to work for, uh, I think it was the Columbus Dispatch, and uh, now he works with The Athletic. From The Athletic, Aaron Portsline, good evening. Tony, we go way back. We go way back. Do we have Aaron? Because I don't quite see your screen right now. I'm not sure if we're having a technical difficulty. You You see see me? And uh, I don't see you. It's kind of weird. Okay. I'm not so sure why. 
Maybe we'll uh, put you back in the uh, in the green room and see what's going on here. Uh, and yellow and Sammy back at master control. All right, okay. Uh, I can't see Aaron for whatever reason. Boo! Don't don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, you and I, we can't even see each other now. Boo! I don't know what's going on. All right, okay. Can anybody else see you? I can see you, Tony. All right, you can see me. I just want to make sure that everyone sees you. Oh, all you right, look fantastic. Okay. Uh, all right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, anyway, don't worry about it because at the end of the day, if I don't see you, I mean, it's okay. I'd like to see you, but right now, maybe it's a glitch and maybe it's going to start working any minute now. All right, okay. It was a very eventful day uh, today on Twitter. It was uh, it was one of those uh, was one of those days uh, where uh, I got uh, woken up. Uh, well, I was already awake, but I, uh, you know, I got text message after text message after text message, and what's going on in this and that or whatever. Okay, so let me just uh, put the cards on the table here. So. Uh, yesterday I came across something and it was, and it was like right before the show, probably give or take, I'm not so sure half an hour before the show or whatever it was. Um, okay. Actually I've been, Oh, there you are. Okay. I got you now. I got you. Now I see you wearing the black top. Look at that. All right. Now okay, you're thinking, let me turn this camera back off again. All right. Okay. So, uh, nice to see you, Aaron. So, you know, yesterday I came across something on, on, on Twitter, uh, and all of a sudden pops up something on my feed and, and it says in French, um, let me just get it here. If I can uh, bring it up and it says in French, it says Matvey Michkov to Montreal, according to a journalist in Columbus. All right. Okay. Now, I know the website. The website is Fox News kind of journalism. Uh, I've known it for a long time. But it doesn't mean that everything they publish is just a rumor or speculation or whatever. Sometimes they go with stuff that they hear and they report. Okay, so I read it very, very quickly. And uh, it's in French, but I read it and I try and translate and stuff like that. Okay, and here's the translation. Here's the translation. All right, let's bring it up. All right, Mave Michkov in Montreal, according to a Columbus journalist. Wow, Mave Michkov in Montreal. The turn of a journalist from Columbus to point us in this direction. According to Aaron Portsline, the most reputable reporter covering the Blue Jackets, sure. Columbus will select Will Smith in fourth place if they're not lucky and lose two places in the lottery. So Nick Bobrov will advise the Canadians to select Michkov especially since the Canadians don't really care if he doesn't join, uh, if the Russian doesn't come right away to play in Montreal. We always take the example of the Wild, who have never regretted having selected Kirill Kaprasov, who joined the team at 23 years of age. Uh, the possible banning of Matt Bamichkov from leaving his country, while the rumor grows that Vladimir Putin will ban any young hockey player under a certain age from leaving the country, does not scare Bobrov for the simple and good reason that he is a great friend of the organization of SKA St. Petersburg. Let's remember his words. I landed in Boston at 16 without my parents when the USSR broke up. It was a lot like Ukraine right now. There was a lot of uncertainty. The country was falling apart. He had an invitation in his pocket to play at a renowned college in the region, Belmont Hill, thanks to his contacts in the hockey world. His father, Sergei, was always involved in high-level hockey in St. Petersburg, um, he is now director of the local SKA Academy. 
Matvey Michkov in Montreal, according to a Columbus journalist. Once again, Nick Bobrov really thinks that his father could fix everything. He who is very close to the owners of the team, Matvey Michkov in Montreal. Oh, that sounds good. All right. Okay. So I read it very quickly and I'm like, okay, my buddy Aaron Portsline said that should Columbus drop two spots in the draft that according to Aaron, the Blue Jackets will draft center Will Smith. And according to Aaron, the Canadians, if they get the chance, will draft Matvey Michkov. And uh, it appears that Bobrov is very high on Michkov and he is, you know, the Russian Bedard. Now, uh, when it came across on my uh, on my social media feed, uh, one of the first titles was he believes he's the Russian Bedard. That has been removed. All right. It was there yesterday. It's not there today. And so yesterday when I did the show, this is exactly what I said. I said, according to my buddy Aaron. So anyway, we put the clip out this morning and all of a sudden I'm getting text messages from everyone. I'm getting phone calls from everyone. And I'm running a bunch of errands this morning and I'm like, okay, what in the world's going on here? So I see it and it's like, uh, okay. And then I see a tweet from Aaron who basically says something to the effect of, I'm a big fan of Tony Marinero. I love him, but I never said that type of thing. And I would have did the exact same thing, right? Because, You know, Aaron obviously doesn't want to be misquoted. So, look, I don't need anyone today to remind me that that website is Fox News, that it's tabloid journalism. But the way I read it, it almost looked like it was fact. But where I was wrong, and this is my mistake, it's on me, is uh, I could have I could have done two things. I could have paid more attention to see if it was all in quotations and it was not in quotations i could have also picked up the phone and called my buddy aaron and say hey aaron did you say this it was i think i came across it around 9 30 on my feed uh i did the show at 10 o'clock i was prepping for the show and uh, and that's that so no one to blame but myself because the way i read it i thought aaron was being quoted instead it looked that way but there are no quotes so it's not the case and obviously the person running the website wanted to make a splash and maybe bait one or two people in. And uh, I guess I fell for it. Uh, but uh, by all means, folks, I I wasn't thinking that that website was giving me a scoop. I was thinking that that website picked up something that Aaron said that I missed. Aaron, so that's that. I'm, I'm sorry if I caused you any inconvenience today and your phone was ringing off the hook as well or your Twitter was lighting up. Well, you caused me a chuckle, if anything. And I'll say this. I've been accused of saying a lot worse things I never said than that. So no big deal. Um, you know, just like we, it's pretty hard right now to say Michkov to anywhere. Cause we don't know where Montreal's picking. The lottery is not till May 8th. I'm lucky to keep track of what are trying to figure out what the blackouts are going to do. Yeah. Much less dabble with Montreal. And in case, you know, the, the Montreal Canadians assistant, director of, of uh, amateur scouting is wondering where the hell this report came to. He may be wondering where this came from too. Yeah. I've never spoken to him as well. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's a nice guy. I'd like to talk to him some di- time, of course, but uh, all is good. Another day on Twitter, rock on. We move on. Yeah. 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 And, it, and it's, it's funny, funny because, because on, on Fridays, Fridays, I usually want to detach. Yes. And today, and today was, was Friday, Friday and I couldn't detach because I was getting, I was all, getting, of getting all of this stuff. stuff. But anyway, but anyway. It's, uh, it's, uh, all, it's good. all good. When I worked radio for 20 yeah. years, 
And now I've been working podcasting for about two and a half full time okay. since um, May of last year. So it's almost going to be a year. I said before, and I said again, I think I got the best job in the world. I love what I do because there are so many great times, great shows, great hours, great days. And there's a couple of days per year where, you know, the job's not that enjoyable and you somewhat, you know, you don't like it for about a moment or two. For yeah. me, today was one of those days yeah, because well, I, yeah. I was feeling the wrath of everyone. Ah, you're not an insider. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're just a loudmouth and stuff like that and whatever. And uh, you're wrong about this and you're wrong about that. And uh, people chose to remind me what I've been uh, wrong about. No one's ever said what I'm right about. But it, it, today was one of those days, you know? It was yeah, one shake of it off, T. Shake it off. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I, I'm good. It's funny because the criticism comes in from uh, a bunch of people who say, yeah, yeah, you're, you're no. No, I have access to the owner. I have access to the GM. I have access to the assistant. I have access to the scouts. I'll, I have access to the, uh, uh, to the coaches and stuff like that. But I know nothing. They know more than me. It's all good. Hey. That site, they have a lot of success with that kind of journalism, sure. and that's called clickbait. And uh, I read it fast. I thought it was coming from you. They didn't put quotations, so they're off the hook. And uh, it's one of those days. It's one of those yeah, days. It's all good. No, you're fine. I mean, it's going to happen. Don't I, move on. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, so now listen. So. Yeah. What you did say is that should the Blue Jackets drop two spots, yep. that, uh, in your opinion, they'll draft Will Smith. Before we get into that, I'll ask you this. Yeah. Is part of that basically you looking at the roster, the depth chart, the prospects, and seeing that they're thin at center going forward? Um, I would look at it the other way because I, I don't. Yarmo Kekalainen has been scouting for a long time, and one of his credos is to never draft by your depth chart. I think he looks at it the other way, that this draft is so good with centers, and the Blue Jackets are in this spot where they are, um, that you grab one while you can. I also think that Michkov's contract to them is a concern. Um. For sure now, it's he's got two more years. Mm -hmm. Where does it go from there? He's mm -hmm. not articulated that part. The first part's been articulated by a lot of people. They don't want to wait two years to get a kid here. Now, if you're guaranteed it's going to be a, a Kirill Kaprizov-type player, of course, you wait if the top – if there's a clear line be, between that player and the next guy. I think they love Will Smith. I think a lot of scouts love – Will Smith. And I'm not sure. I think they're probably on some boards where Smith might be higher than Carlson in the three wow. spot. Wow. Yeah, because by uh, by most accounts, I mean, a lot of people have, of course, Bedard at one, Adam Fantilli at two, yeah. Leo Carlson at three. Like on, on most people's lists, that's the list. Yeah. Will Smith is a top five pick on most people's lists. And, and you know what? It's funny because we're going to get back to Michkov. Um, of the times that I've seen him, I love his talent. Sure. I think he's the, the second best pure talent of the draft. And on any given Sunday, he could actually match the guy who is the best. And sometimes maybe even a little bit more. All right. Having said that, it's funny because we we're talking about Bobrov. 
Uh, I don't know whether or not Bobrov likes Michkov. Uh, I've never had a conversation with him about that. Um, my gut, my gut tells me that if Michkov is available, the Canadians will pass. That's what my gut tells me. Now, um, I would imagine, based on everything that's going on in Russia, that not only the Canadians will pass, others will pass. Usually, if there's a, a team that is very, very deep with prospects, they're willing to take a chance. Sure. But a team that's going to draft fourth or fifth or sixth, and there's so many good players and there's such a good draft, right. they can't waste that pick, right? And what if he never comes over? And I believe he will. But, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going right. on, of course, in Russia and everything that happened. And unfortunately, he, you know, he lost his dad tragically less than a month ago and stuff awesome. like that. There, there's a lot of things that are being said. And, you know, yeah. he might well, not come over. And, and, yeah, and to me, it, it, the concern is, is for sure his, his contract. And does he come over, as you said? I think the other concern is what is going on in Russia in two years? And this is a country that is at war right now. This is a country that has that is... If, if fighting a war against Ukraine, but Ukraine has considerable support from the West, who knows where this goes and who knows what happens to Russian players that are in Russia. I, I'm not predicting anything. I'm predicting that we don't know what it's going to look like in two years. That, that's all. Yeah. Hey, have you had a chance to, uh, to meet and chat with uh, the assistant uh, director of amateur scouting of the Columbus Blue Jackets, former Montreal Canadiens director of amateur scouting, Trevor Timmons? I've we've exchanged pleasantries. He was hired last summer at development camp. Um, my point guy for the draft is Billy Siren. Um, ton of uh, conversation with Chris Clark, former Blue Jackets player, former Washington Capitals captain. I suspect he'll be a general manager in this league soon. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my guys. Uh, Timmons is is a guy I don't know particularly well, but we have said we have exchanged hellos. Yes. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Montreal Canadiens have something in common. Uh, besides, uh, you know, finishing in the bottom five, you know what that is? Uh, neither has won the Stanley Cup since 1993. Uh, you're right about that. Another thing that they share in common is that they both had a very much injury plague season. The Blue Jackets, yes. 545 man games lost, which is yeah. second most in the National Hockey League to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it is. It, I mean... And it's big. It's big injuries, too. This is not the seventh D-man going down. This is Zach Wierenski. Yeah. They're, they're everything, right? This is Jake Voracek, their leading point guy last year. This is their number one goalie, uh, Elvis Merzlikens, out of the lineup four times. This is Patrick yeah. Laine out of the lineup four times. Boone Jenner out of the lineup twice. Jake Bean, who was probably a four or five guy, gone for the year. I mean, they at one point, Tony, at the end of the season, they were dressing a lineup that would not have been legal if it were a preseason game because it didn't meet the NHL's requirement of eight veteran players. Mm -hmm. Like they had a game against Pittsburgh, they had 11 guys who have not played 100 games in the NHL, four of them making their NHL debut. Wow. It was a mess. And not uh, not one Columbus, not one Columbus Blue Jacket played all 82 games this year. Not oh, one. Yeah. No, I think Gaudreau played the most or Andrew Peak. Hey, a uh, couple of questions before we get to the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes, Andre Tourigny, which we'll get to him sure. in less than five minutes time. 
but I'd be now that I have you on, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you about Johnny Goudreau, who, sure. you know, by all accounts had a pretty good season, 74 That's points right. in 80 games. But if you compare it to a year ago, he picked up 115 points in a system that a lot of people thought was a lot more defensive for a much more defensive-minded coach. So knowing, you know, he led the Blue Jackets in points, but knowing what he did a year ago, uh, how satisfied or not is the fan base with uh, Johnny Hockey's season? Yeah, well, nobody's satisfied with anything, but I think Johnny's one of the few the guys that gets a pass. I think he traded teams. He also traded Elias Lindholm for Boone Jenner, right, and a Kachuk for uh, mostly Patrick Line, but also Kirill Marchenko. He and Line, maybe most disturbingly, the two of them just did not click, like oil and water. Maybe that's the center. Boone Jenner played pretty well with Gaudreau at times, had 26 goals. Nobody thinks Boone is a, is a number one center. Nothing against him. He's been playing up in the lineup now for three seasons. Um, but Gaudreau hasn't really found a fit here. That's why this draft looms so large. They've had centers that they think are number one centers before. Ryan Johansson many years ago, Pierre-Luc Dubois a few years ago, haven't been able to hang on to him. Traded Jones. Uh, had to trade Dubois because of a trade demand. Um, so they got to get that guy and they have to keep that guy. It's one of the areas of the ice that they have. Yeah. To All right. In ending, you just said his name. So everyone watching right now on YouTube live on Facebook live on Twitter live, call your friends, yes. call your family. Marinaro is going to talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. Let's go. The great Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca said, you know, at 95%, it uh, looks like Dubois is going to end up being a Montreal Canadian when all is said and done. He asked for a trade out of Columbus. He's an RFA at the end of the year. It appears, according to people very close to the situation, that he's always wanted to play for his hometown team. Always. He wants to play for the Montreal Canadiens. You know him well because he was in Columbus for over three seasons, albeit he was obviously a younger player than he is now. You saw him at 19. You saw him at 20. You saw him at 21. Yep. The Columbus Blue Jackets made him their third pick overall in the draft. Yes. Knowing what you saw, knowing what you know, knowing the player he's turned into now. Yes. Would you have any reservations whatsoever if you were the Montreal Canadiens and Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted to be a hab going forward? Oh, God, no. He is a tremendous player. He's a tremendous player, and I he wanted to be a Montreal Canadian when he was a Columbus Blue Jacket. This is not a new desire for him. In fact, let me throw this out there. No one has said what changed with Dubois, why he had to leave Columbus. He had just bought a new apartment here. Everything seemed to be going well. He was the number one center. Everyone thinks it was John Tortorella. There's reasons to believe it was not John Tortorella. Anyways, he was expecting, my opinion, an offer sheet from the Canadians, if you remember, Yarmo Kekalainen made two 11th-hour trades before the deadline that year, two defensemen out the door to clear cap space. The thing with, with offer sheets is not only do you not want your players signed to one, you, have, you, you want to set off the vibe that you will match it. That's why they talk about it as they do. You don't even want anyone to extend the offer to him because once they extend it to him, it's too late. Now that contract is signed. You want to fend that off at the pass. That's what those trades were, and I believe that's where the relationship changed. I think Dubois thought he was getting out of Columbus on an offer sheet, and that's where it fell apart. Wow. All right, so based on what you said when you said tremendous center, because oh. we know that he can play wing as well, in your opinion, yes. a better center than a winger? 
Oh, no question. No question. A ferocious face-off guy, great net front presence. He is a, a large, immovable man in front of the net. He is a he is a centerman and a force. Yes. That one shift that has done the rounds of YouTube, oh. you know the one I'm talking about, of course, where yes. he went on for like 30 seconds, yep. and no one has ever appeared more disinterested in the puck or the game or what was going on than him yep. on that particular shift. Yes. It, was that a was that a one off or or, or do oh, are yeah. there drops in intensity? Yeah, that was literally a one off because he literally took that shift and they sent him off the ice and traded him. He never played again. Uh, that was his trade demand. Uh, he had made a trade request. That was this isn't moving fast enough for me. Here's what I'm going to do. Oh wow! And that's oh, wow. why they they were left no choice. Yarmo Kekalainen has been asked this since then. Why didn't you tell him no? No, I'm not trading my number one center. And he felt that it had become so toxic with that shift between Dubois in the room. Players love that kid. They could not look past that act. Like that, that's going a step too far. A lot of players believed. Yarmo felt he needed to remedy that situation immediately. He may regret it. That's 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 unreal. Like I I I had heard a few rumblings. I never heard it quite said like that. Yeah. Um in ending his talent, his potential, yes. in your opinion, what are we looking at here? I think he is on a, on a really good team. He is a 30, 50, 80 guy. If you look at Nick Suzuki, who's the number one center of the Montreal Canadians, and you look into your crystal ball and I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, but you're a big boy. I know you can take it in yeah. terms of potential. Give or take, like Suzuki, more, a little bit less? Well, I, I don't pretend to know Suzuki's skill set quite as, as well. I mean, I know he's a, a really talented player. I just, and I don't think these guys ever go out of style. The big guys, everyone gets tired. Big guys don't shrink is a saying that I've been told yeah. for many, many years. He is a physically imposing guy. If I had those two guys, I don't give a damn who's one or two. They're one or two in whatever order you want to slice it. And it's matchups from night from night to night. I would worry, I would think more of them as both top six guys and let the let the line mates and how they gel with those guys figure that out. And what the matchups on a nightly basis do. I think Montreal, there's no reason you can't have both of those guys and have them as interchangeable parts in your top six, but which I mean look. Look what some of these other great teams uh, can do. I don't know if you have to number them that way or not. I, I think both of those guys can be number one, but what a one-two punch that would be for Montreal. Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time to join me tonight, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Anytime, T. Good chat uh, with you, man. All Talk right. You if I'm ever going to call you going forward, I'll call you, even <laughs> if it's a minute before the show. You got it. Thanks, man. Yeah, bye. Take care. All right. Okay. Uh, the great Aaron Portsline, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for the Athletic. There you have it. Uh, that was Pierre-Luc Dubois' way of saying, I put in a trade request, and it's not moving fast enough, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the shift off and appear totally disinterested, and you're going to have no other choice to trade me. Uh, it, it doesn't happen that often in hockey. It, it does happen in uh, in soccer, as a matter of fact, that uh, players can really dictate where they want to go, and if it's not done fast enough, uh, they'll go out there and uh, they'll dog it. And uh, then you'll say, you know what? No use in keeping a player who doesn't want to play for us. I, I would keep a coach like Andre Tourigny because you know what? He is a gamer all the time, even in a season 
that didn't produce uh, maybe the results that uh, you would have wanted or maybe the results that were expected. The Arizona Coyotes are a rebuilding team. He joins me right now, right here on the Sick Podcast. Coach, how are you? Very good. What about you, Tony? Very good. You know what I love about you? I'm going to tell you what I love about you. You just finished meeting with the media in Arizona, right? You had a very long season. You had training camp, preseason, the regular season, all that stuff. It finishes 82 games. And uh, you are called upon now to be the head coach of uh, Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships, which we'll discuss in the next little while here, okay? So now you got on a plane this morning, I believe you were supposed to leave yesterday. I think was that the case? You're yeah. Supposed to leave yesterday? Yeah, I left uh, actually uh, Wednesday at twelve thirty Arizona time, but right. there were weather weather problem in the Colorado, so the plane was delayed, and I missed the connection to Montreal. All right, okay, and you finally ended up getting that connection today. Is that it? Yeah, I got the connection twenty four hours later, and I arrived at two a.m. Last night. So here you are. You're at home in La Belle Province in our beautiful city. You're on vacation. And uh, you have this guy, Tony Marinaro, on the sick podcast who's asking you to go on the podcast. And you could easily say, no, Tony, go to hell. Leave me alone. I'm on vacation. But you say, sure, Tony, I'll come on with you. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure, Tony. All right. And congratulations on being named head coach of... Uh, Canada's uh, team at the World Hockey Championships. Uh, we'll we'll jump into it. Um, this is you, you did it. You were there last year as an assistant to Claude Julien, and you got to the finals and you lost four three in overtime versus Finland. Um, I know every experience is a learning experience, but even when we talk about that one year later, like does it does it? Do you feel pain or? Yeah. I feel pain, and to complete the story, the year before, we won but the same way. We beat Finland in overtime in the final. So it would be my, my third year. So I uh, uh, two years ago was with Gerard Galin, and we're in the bubble in in Latvia, and uh, we won in, the, in overtime in the final. And last year, Finland beat us in their own barn in temporary in the final in overtime on the power play so absolutely it's uh when you do all all that road and you you lost in overtime the last game yeah, for sure you there, there's a sour taste of it but at the same time there's a lot of pride of uh, the road you you had to to do to to get there so uh, there's good and bad but like you know in our country there's one color medal we won you're right about that all right okay so um your coaching staff talk to me about your staff it will be uh it, it will be alex tange who uh will will, will work with, with us tango is working in uh, detroit i had the, the opportunity to coach alex when we were uh in colorado we always stayed in contact he's a really smart i always say he's a hockey genius he's really smart really detailed uh, he's passionate by the game and he has an opinion uh there's a lot of leadership. Obviously, one Stanley Cup as a player, play more than a thousand game, uh, been in the championship team, won gold medal for Canada before. So uh, he has a lot of pedigree and uh, will be DJ Smith, who I worked with last year at the World Championship. Uh, the guy with a lot of passion. Uh, he's, uh, he's a coach, player's coach, player, love him. He relate really well with the player. 
uh, former defenseman, uh, run a really good uh, PK in the, in the Ottawa all those years. Uh, he was doing the same job with, with the Leafs with Mike Babcock. So, yeah, he's a, he's a PK specialist, really good on it. So I think we have a, a, a really good staff there. And Troy Ryan, uh, who is uh, the Olympic coach for the women uh, Olympic uh, Canadian team, who mm -hmm. has a lot of experience on the uh, international level, and James Emery, who's the video coach who I work with at the World Junior and the World Championship, uh, will be with us. So uh, I really like the, all the assets we have on our, our coaching staff. I, I think we touch a little bit of a, every part of the game, and that was a really important ingredient for me. I read a lot of articles from the Arizona papers. Your players absolutely love you. Uh, they talk about you as a player's coach. They say that you're great with building relationships. You always come around. You always ask the guys, what are you doing? What did you do last night? What are you doing for fun? What are you doing later on today? You have this open door policy. Players can come in at any time. And now you're talking to me about the staff that's going with you at the World Hockey Championships. You're going to have a camp in Hungary on the 5th of May, by the way. You're going to play your opening game on May 12th versus Latvia. And, yep. you know, in talking about your staff, it's that extension that we see of those relationships. You talked about yeah. relationship with Alex Tangay. He impressed yep. you when he was a player. You didn't forget that. You know, you, you worked with DJ Smith last year at the World Hockey Championships. He caught your eye. He impressed you. You liked working with him. You didn't forget that, and you you go and yeah. you, you you bring these these guys with you to experience uh, this. I think it's pretty awesome. You, you know, it, people sometimes say, "Oh, it's, it's who you know." Yeah. Well, wait, wait a minute. Oh, put put it put that in perspective. You have a once in a lifetime opportunity. Who you bring? The guy you don't know, or your guy you know he will do the job because he he did it in the past with you, and yeah, you went in the trenches with him. Of course, or, of course. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's not like if it's a, it's a try, a tryout, and oh, if it doesn't work, no big deal. No, no. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I'm, I don't know if I will ever have another opportunity to represent my country. I don't know if I will ever be the head coach of a national team ever again. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's the, the urgency I, I want to approach it. So. If you have an opportunity to work with someone, you know when you will be in the trenches, he will fight with you and he will fight the right way and you can trust him. That's that's And it's the same thing when Ken Hughes made his selection for his head coach in Montreal. It yeah. was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him. It's it's not like being GM of the Montreal Canadian. It's a, it's a summer job and huh, if it doesn't work next summer, yeah. I will do it differently. No, no, it's a once-in-a-lifetime. So. You pick someone, you trust someone you know. So that's what he did. Yeah. It's same thing for me. I want to talk to you about Marty St. Louis in just a second. But before I do, you brought up Alex Tangay's name on a couple of occasions now. More and more, I'm hearing that he's a real student of the game. You yeah. talked about when you were the assistant coach of the Colorado Avalanche yeah. and he played for that team. Yeah. Did you know right then and there, based on the conversations you had, based on the way he conducted himself, some of the ideas that he shared, that this guy was going to be behind an NHL bench one day? That was no no doubt in my head. It was just a matter of does he want to do it or not? Because we all know coaching it's a it's a it's a huge commitment. It's a hell of a yeah. commitment in term personal commitment. But just to tell you how smart is Tango, I was in charge of the penalty killing then and when I was planning the strategy, let's say we're playing Nashville, whatever. And we were I, I thought we had to do something different than what we do against every other team. 
When my plan was in place, I was going to talk to Alex Tange. I was going to talk to Ryan O'Reilly. That was the two guys. And for sure, our goalie, Vardamov. And I, I was going to Tango and I was saying, Tango, I think we should do this and this differently. What do you think about it? And Tango was capable, was capable of telling me that will work. Or was capable of telling me, eh, it's not everybody who will be able to read that bear. Because there is not everybody in the team who can read that. I knew Tango will be able to read it. O'Reilly will be able. Paul Stasny will be able to read that. But it's not only those guys who play PK. Wow. And he was telling me. Wow. Eh. And he was capable of telling me those things. It was the same a little bit with uh, with, with uh, uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan was not as uh, communicative. But he was, yeah. he was capable of telling me. No, that... The guys won't be able to do that or yeah that will work so he's more he's not a talker much uh ryan o'reilly we're calling him a factor factor was not yeah. a loud talker but he knew so that's how smart is alex Bangi. you talked about marty st louis yeah. do you analyze from afar uh and sometimes up close when you're going head to head versus another team and another coach the work that other coaches do and try and pick up on some of the things that they're doing. And in season, does it exist in season that coaches will talk to each other and maybe share a few ideas, certain things on opponents, anything like that? Does that happen at all? It, it never happened to me. I never had that kind of discussion with any coach in the NHL about what they do, what they don't do. No, that that never happened. There, there uh, are there are clinics in the off season, though, right? Yeah, there are clinics, and, and and some some coaches they don't like saying what they know, right? Because but it's, it's normal. You, you 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 can't. I can't tell you how we play in the D zone. I will tell you everything you already know. I won't tell you the rest. I hear you. you. Know, I, yeah. I can't. It's like uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Do you. You think they will really tell you the secret of their secret spice and their really how they, they do their their sauce or whatever? No, they will say if you want to buy, I will sell it to you, but I won't give it to you. And it's yeah, it's just normal. It's a competitive environment. This restaurant wants to be better than the other one. The same thing for a coach. I will tell you everything they see when they watch my team, but the rest, I I will, I will keep. A few few things for me, that's for sure. And that is why there's when you do those clinics during the summer, coach wants more uh, to talk about different topic or more uh, psychology, culture, those kind of things than going in X and O's. Because if gotcha. you go, gotcha. you know, if you look, yes, like Mark said, we talk a lot, a lot about his concept. Oh, yeah. Did he ever explain to you his concept? No. He won't. And if you if you if you dig in, he will tell you about what it is. Oh, we're looking for space. We want to read the game, but okay. But he will not tell you exactly what it is and how he teach it. And it's okay. That's uh, that's that's yeah. um that's my job to watch his team and figure it out what he's talking about and what they do special and uh, yeah. how they do their thing. Marty St. Louis has proved a lot of people wrong again before as a player. 
now as a coach, uh, you know what? When the decision was made to hire him, when the announcement was made, I mean, I didn't doubt him because I said, based on what this guy's done in his career, I'm not betting against this guy, okay? I'm betting on this guy, and I'm happy I did, to tell you the truth. But uh, what has most impressed you? Because when he was hired, you, you heard what people were saying. The Canadians just hired a guy who coached at the Bantam level. It can't be. There were a lot of uh, coaches in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League who were offended that the Montreal Canadiens went to get someone who didn't go through the ranks and was only coaching his son's Bantam team. Based on what you've seen, out of all of his qualities, what's the one thing that really catches your attention? You say, you know what? Good. I will be really honest with you, uh, Tony, because... I, I, it's not like I follow Montreal Canadian, and, and mm-hmm. it's no offense to Montreal Canadian, but uh, if I have a, a night where I watch a Eastern team, I'll probably watch Tampa Bay, or I will probably watch Toronto, or any top end team. You know, it's just normal. You know, yeah. I'm guaranteed if Martin Saint Louis wants to pick up some stuff, he's not watching the game of the Yotes. He's watching of the games of the LA Kings or Colorado Avalanche or whatever. And I hear you. And like I said, that doesn't mean all those teams who were the Boston Bruins the season they had. They might play tonight against Montreal, so I will watch that game. But I will not say, hey, I need to know how Columbus is playing. And I will pick yeah. a game of Columbus and watch. That's just not the way it happened. But having that said, we play as well against Montreal early in the season. So I, uh, I did not have the opportunity to study him uh, as much. What I like about, but I will answer your question. I did not study him, but I like the way his player talk about him. I like the fact his player likes to play with him. They uh, they talk highly about him, and that is for me, it's a sign. I always say something, and I say that to my player, to my manager, to my owner. The player knows. They know. If you want to know, ask the player. They know. They know who's tough to play again. Who's a good player? Who's the best face-off guy? Who's the, 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 the heaviest player in the league? Who has the most hockey sense? You cannot fool the player. The player, they, they, they live it. They're in the trenches. They know. So I believe it, his player know. And yeah. the last year, I had, again, I was at the World Championship. And yeah. there were a few players from Montreal Canadian, And they, they like him. They like to play for him. And that's what I like the most about Marty. And you would have liked to have added him to your staff? Yeah, I, I absolutely. When they ask me uh, um, names, not necessarily in order, but they ask me names of guys I would love to. Uh, Marty was high in a, in a sense of the quality I talked to you about for Alex Tangay. I think all those qualities are as well true for Martin Saint-Louis, a guy with a lot of hockey sense who can run the power play who relate really well with the player, who's really smart, student of the game, who won Stanley Cup, won a gold medal, represent his country before. He, yeah. He, he checks a lot of boxes. He, eh? he checks a lot, a lot of boxes, all of them. So yeah, yeah. He was, he was one of the guys. But just to make it clear, I'm not a guy – when you work for Canada, you don't decide what's your staff. I, I understand. Yeah. The, the only thing they ask me is what, what are – what what do we need to fill up your staff to be effective for you? And I, I said it before, when an offensive guy was an offensive instinct who can yeah. run the power play, who played the game, uh, has been in the trenches, those kind of thing. And same thing on the, on the back end with the yeah. PK, the quality and stuff like that. So I think 
you cannot have three guys offensive minded on the same staff. The that that will not be a good balance. You need to you need to have a little bit of everything. What a sick podcast we're having tonight with Andre Tourigny. The sick podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different and also brought to you in part by La Bita TB, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bita TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bita TB, embrace your true nature. All right, this year, your second year as head coach of the Arizona Coyotes, What's the one thing out of all the things that you learned this year in your second year, or you believe you improved greatly? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I ask good questions, Bear. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good, another good one. <laughs> I learn again. Uh, you know, Tony, the, the, my personality and my style of coach is we second guess everything all the time, and. You know, this year was a tough schedule for us, starting 20 of the 24 on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a stretch uh, in January where we played 19 games in 35 days and wow. stuff like that. And to manage uh, the schedule, uh, manage the energy level, the load management, uh, I think that's one thing we, uh, our high-performance group did a really good job to to advise us through that that stretch and that was i i think as successful as it can be i'm not saying it was yeah uh, perfect because i don't think with that kind of adversity in terms of the schedule i don't think you can be perfect but i think we uh we did not end end up with injury we were really knock on wood yeah really low in injury uh even through those those really tough tough times, so I think yeah. that is probably something we're really proud of. Yeah, coach. Um, by the way, is there you know because is there a reason why you think your team was because not all injuries are luck or bad luck or no luck, but is there something that you were doing uh, that you think that was really helped in avoiding injuries or? Well, we have I'm, our. I'm, as, I'm asking delete. for a friend who has injury problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I know Adam Douglas, who is uh, the high performance uh, director for 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 Montreal, and he's a really competent guy. So I'm far from me to tell him how he do his job and everything is the reverse. Yeah. He, he can taught me a lot about about that. But I had my same belief when we were with the 67s, and we had the same kind of luck. I will say, but for us, training in season is huge. We train a lot. We train. A, after every game we train every day basically it's that's that's our belief and for me training is it's not for when you're injured it's it's for injury prevention it's to keep the muscle mass and keep the power and keep every everything healthy and uh, we practice way less uh, this year than we did the year before but one thing we never stop is training in season and for us it's, it's a huge belief and now, like you know, Tony, technology is unreal. We have, yeah, there, there's nothing the guy they don't have, we don't have metrics on. Yeah, they can go for their stretch or a light right on the, the bike or a hard practice or a skill session or whatever it is. We have metrics, we have measure, we have measure their speed, measure their, their, their stamina, their recovery. We, we have, wow. 
it's really really advanced so uh i think uh for us we believe a lot in training in season and i know a lot of team things during the season player need to to um to rest and the it's not mandatory but for us it is everybody train wow Every pretty day. cool pretty cool uh coach let me ask you why did it take so long to trade jacob chicken I mean, I think his name was out there for about a year. Yeah. At one point, you know, we were hearing it looked like it was going to get done. Los Angeles is then ultimately you end up trading him to Ottawa. You get three draft picks in return. You get a first round, a second round, and another second round in different years. But uh, it just ask, seemed ask like the, ask the other thirty-one team. Yeah, the, the price did not change. So this for us, the the offer wasn't there. They were one offer at the draft last year. And when the GM called the agent to say, hey, we're about to make a, an, a, pull the trigger in a trade for your player, uh, the chick did not want to play there. So he said, hmm, yeah, it's not where I want to go. So from there, they could, the team could have made the trade. They, they, he had no, no trade clause. But do you want to pull the trigger on that kind of a trade when the player say, I don't want to play in your city? No, you don't. So the GM just said, "Well, you know what? We'll we'll, we'll pass." So it, it was just a matter of having the offer was matching what we wanted. And Billy was really clear: what we wanted is two first-round pick and a second. And at the end, we decided to go. We had two firsts and a second, but it were two late pick, and we needed to to take some money back in in, in the trade. And the the trade with Ottawa, we thought will give us a pick, a quality first round pick, and that's what we were looking for. If we can get a pick between ten and and twenty, it's better than getting two picks at let's say twenty eight. That's that's what that's what yeah. Billy was thinking, and he didn't want quality over quantity, so that's why he went with the offer of bottle. Hey, speaking of picks, uh, this is before you were there, of course, but Clayton Keller. Seventh overall in his draft year, eighty-six points this year for you guys. Wow! I mean, there were games where this guy looked like Connor McDavid. Yeah, he, he, saying that is even better than people think. Seriously, yes, yeah. Wow! You know, I, that, I like that, our that, that draft. Like that our... draft. Pardon me. Was it the yeah. uh, um, um, Pujarvi went fourth that draft. Okay. Uh, Yolevi went fifth. Uh, Kachuk went, uh, Matthew Kachuk went sixth. Good pick. And Clayton Keller went seventh. And there were a couple of other picks later on in the draft that were good too. Montreal picked Sergeyev at nine and uh, Boston picked Charlie McAvoy at 14. That's an amazing pick. But Clayton Keller at seven, that's an awesome pick. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he... He, he is really good. He's really driven, and he works really hard, and he, he wants to be even better. He, uh, he's a great guy. Honestly, I, I said it. I don't think he hit the ceiling yet. I, I think he still have room. And, uh, he's, you know, you're not the first one who told me that this year. There's, there's a lot of guys who watch us play say, this guy is much better than I thought. I, was gonna, I will give you an example. John Madden, who as assistant coach for us, it was, the year before, he was in San Jose. Yeah. So at the beginning of the season, he was kind of, oh, yeah, okay. He, yeah, I know. He's, he's a pretty good player. 
And then at some point he told us, he's much better than I thought. He's a hell of a player. I said, yeah, wow. he is. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Hey, uh, earlier this season, um, was it Mason McTavish was having a chat with James Duthie? And uh, and he admitted to him that uh, that um, no, pardon me, it was Connor Bedard was having a chat with James Duthie, and he admitted to him that uh, you know he says to James Duthie says to him he says you know you see the teams at the bottom is there anywhere you want to go and he says no no I'll go anywhere right in the draft. Yeah. And then he said, anybody, he said, well, Mason McTavish calls me like after, you know, every loss there, he'll send me a text message and stuff like that. I I don't know. I, I heard that. And uh, Mason McTavish, a great player. Connor Bedard's a great player. They have chemistry together. They're amazing at the end of their 18s, obviously. Yep. Uh, but when you hear that, I mean, you know, the, 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 a lot of fans talk about tanking. They wonder whether it exists. Obviously, Players don't tank. We know that. They're all wired to win. They want to win. But when you hear something like that, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, I hope Mason will have to learn to to play against against Connor because I hope Connor will play for the pesky Oats. That's what I hope. <laughs> That's what I think. But um, whoever, you know, I, I think the player know example a guy like connor better is coming they and at the beginning they did not know how good he was you know there's a lot of noise every year and obviously we're junior and all of it and they know but what's what the people sometimes don't understand it's how short is an nhl player career some guys will play two three years in the league two three four five you know so for them to tank for two years Okay, now you ask me to tank for forty percent of my NHL career. I hear you. Know, you. So people, people say, "Oh, tanking." Yeah, Flora has no interest in that. You know, and even let's say you talk about Keller. Keller will have is 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 arriving in the prime of his career. Let's tank. Well, yeah, let's tank and make eighty whatever eighty six seven points. That's the tanking he did want to do. You know, he did not want to have an off year for the. Well, for the pleasure of tanking. So no. the player are in the present. It's it's always discussion I have with my GM. Yeah. The, 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 us, it's what can we do today? What can we do today? How, what's the ceiling of that player? Look at where we want to bring him and what we have to do today to get closer to that goal and to have a long-term vision. Yeah. But our job, is today to make sure we do everything we can do to get this plan uh, to fruition to to, yeah. to towards this goal but we cannot start looking and hey in four years we want to compete for the stanley cup that's that's uh, no my I job is today yeah, having said that, uh, I, look, I think the Arizona Coyotes are, are going through a rebuild. The Montreal Canadiens are going through a rebuild. We know that. Kent Hughes said something interesting this year, which I so appreciated his honesty, by the way. I thought it was amazing. He said uh, something like something to the effect of, you know, losing many games in a row is not a good thing, and going on an extended winning streak wouldn't be a good thing either, right? So... He was very, he was very honest about it. I think it was awesome, yeah. but yeah. you know, so we know that GMs have a plan, and they might think for their plan to work out, a team's got to be in a rebuilding phase for a couple of years. Coaches 
they want to go out there and they want to outcoach the other coach and they want to get the best out of their players and they want to score more goals than the other team and they want to flat out win the game. How difficult is it when you know the GM wants the team to rebuild, but you, the coach, the ultimate competitor, you're thinking about now, you're not thinking about tomorrow, you want to win that game. How tough is it to balance this? For me, it's extremely easy. Extremely easy. My job is to make the most of what I get. If I if I get enough to win, that's your problem as a GM. If you don't want us to win, just figure it out to make sure we're not good enough to win. That's your problem. It's not my problem. My problem is to get those guys, the 20 guys you give me who's playing tonight, and get the best out of them. And if the best is too good and allowed us to win, that's not my problem. That's not my job. My job is to get the best of my player. And... The day a GM will hire me and will say, you need to get 75% of your player because if you get 100% of them, it will be too good for what we're trying to do. I will say I'm not the right guy for the job so because I I'm, don't know I'm, how to do that. I'm not asking you this about Arizona, but I want to ask you in general, your thoughts on, th- on something now. Does it happen that a GM will suggest to a coach to play a certain player on a certain line, um, no, cannot happen. Okay, cannot happen, Tony. You know why? Because what I told you earlier in the podcast. Who knows? I told you. If you want to know what's going on, who who should you ask? The players know. The players. So the day I play Tony Marinero, Tony Marinero on the first line with Barrett Eaton and Tatum Keller, the guy will look at me and say, okay, you're a loser. You're not trying to win here. And then I'm done. I might it's surprise over. you, you know. Don't yeah. uh, don't make my, yeah. uh, my physique. Uh, don't uh, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> no, but you know what? Uh, by the I way, I'm in, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm happy oh, to say, <laughs> I'm happy to say, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I'm happy to say, that this morning I got on the scale and I'm under 250 for the first time in seven years. Wow, that's good. Yeah, congrats, right, my okay. friend. Congrats. But you know what I mean? It, it, the player will say, "Well, there's well, one or two well, more things I want to get to." Uh, I be like, I have to ask you about Connor McDavid. I mean, yeah. PK Subban said the other night on ESPN that Connor McDavid could seriously be making a case right now to be considered the best player ever after the season that he had playing in the National Hockey League at the level that he played, scoring the goals that he scored, picking up the points that he did in 2023 in a young man's league that is so fast and so skilled. You had a chance to see him many times. By the way, I think you did a great job against him in certain games that I watched down the stretch. Like, you you did as good a job as you could have with the team that you had. I agree. Talk... You told me Clayton Keller is a really good hockey player. He's better than a lot of people think. Everyone knows that Connor McDavid is great. How great is he, coach? He's it's fabulous. But I will never get in the best player ever. I think Michael Jordan said it best. You, you cannot compare Michael Jordan, Jerry West, or whatever, Chris Russell, or whatever, Will Chamberlain. They never played against each other. You don't know. Technology, training, everything changed. Equipment. So equipment, toughness in the game. Hey, yeah. you think LeBron will have survived playing against Dennis Rodman the way uh, 
uh, MJ had to do it when he was going in the at, at the basket and he was getting knocked out and physical and elbow in the head all the time. LeBron never had to go through that. Never. How will they uh, react? Nobody knows. Maybe he will have been better than Jordan. Maybe he will have been worse. We don't know. So for me, it's an unfair, unfair debate. For Connor McDavid is the best player of his area. Perfect. Good. I'm good with that. Wayne Grisky was the best of his era, and uh, you know Mario was the best at, at his time. And those are okay. We can say that. Who was the best? And all those. Sidney Crosby you know, after that. Yeah, Sidney yeah. Crosby after that. Bobby Orr at some point, and yeah, whatever. Gila, Gila Fleur, Bowl, whatever. Gila Fleur, Gila Fleur for six years. Exactly. So they were the best at that by moment. The way, that, by that the way, I can stand by that. Who was the best? We're we're an hour away from being. Um, yeah. April 22nd, yeah. and that is the one-year anniversary of yeah. Gila Fleur's passing. God love him. Yeah. What did what did he mean to you? Well, for me, the, those those guys, I will I'll put Guy, Mr. Uh, Bellevue, uh, all, all the Rocket, uh, all those guys, they, they met loyal, they met uh, all in for the team. They were all great teammate and champion and I, I will put Larry Robinson search of our in, in those categories for me they they meant ultimate teammate and the warrior and the winners and and everything I, I cherish in my life I uh, I want to be loyal I want to I want to fight for a cause I want to fight for for my, my my teammate for for the people I love my family and that and for me those guys integrity pride the pride and the feeling of belonging towards the montreal canadian is absolutely amazing and something it's fueled me with pride and respect beautiful two more quick ones and i know i kept you a long time i so appreciate your time today next time i call you you can tell me tony go to hell you kept me on too long all right okay <laughs> logan cooley he yep. was arizona's third pick overall last year at the draft um he had a great season i know i would imagine you've kept some tabs on him and uh you 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 asked around what what are you hearing what have you been told and what can you tell us i mean his skills are off the charts yep yeah oh yeah he, and he he has pushback as well we play hard he, he's physical and when it's time even if it's not a, a big guy he goes in traffic he goes at the net and he has pushback he has character Really, he has speed. He's a really good player. He will be good for a long time for us. Fantastic. In ending, some people don't want to put themselves out there when we talk about a young player because they say, ah, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what a junior player is going to be. But if I were to ask you about Connor Bedard, what kind of career Connor Bedard will have, barring injury, and if he plays to his potential, you see what? Well, he will be phenomenal. He will be generational, generational, oh, yeah. yes, generational absolutely. for sure. For no doubt in my head, you know, in and there, there's a part okay you can look at his game and you can find weakness. Like I remember, I will put put that in that way. I remember draft year of Connor McDavid. Oh, is, is he that good? I I thought he will make more point this year. I did not bring his team to a championship. Uh, you know, da, da, da. come on, come on. I, Connor McDavid was, we were looking for a reason to to doubt him. 
Why doubting him? And it's the same thing, Connor Bedard. Look, his number, first guy, first guy ever to have the exceptional status in the dub. Everybody was saying it was a mistake. I had friends in the dub who said, oh, he's too small. They should have not done that. He crushed the league. And then people say, oh, it's tough to play as an underage at the World Junior. Even Connor McDavid's struggle. The kid arrived and he burned everybody. He, he clinched every record. And then he came back in his draft year and stuff to play at the draft year. There's a lot of pressure. Thanks God, you struggle. He he beat every every everybody and every race, even in the playoff. Everybody was saying, "Oh, Regina, they have no chance." Thanks God, he had no chance. He, he brought a, a a really good team in seven. He made number of points and his plus and minus is off the charge and all of it why doubting him which which argument can i have to talk to you tony and say yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure to yeah. what there's no doubt in my head thank you so much i'm going to tell you the two things i love about you the most number one in no particular order here you always make time for people and and i think that's a great quality and 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 you know uh, I compliment you on that. Number two, I love how much you love the game. Because here we are on a Friday night, 11.04 p.m. Eastern time. It's your first day pretty much of vacation, even though you're going to be getting back to work pretty soon here. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Tony. Thanks for having, having me on. All thank right. You. Have a great night. There you have it. The head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. Andre Turini. All right, okay. Um, to Michael and Natalie that I bumped into last week and said, big fans of the podcast and stuff like that, but I missed a couple of shows last week. And I said, why? Oh, you know, we had to do some spring cleaning around the house and we had to clean some things outside. We had to get everything in order and it took a lot of time and things were a mess and this and that and whatever. Michael and Natalie, I have something for you because today... Look where I went. Sick podcast. I'm Marinaro at VPR Impex 16, 641 Hymas in Kirkland. And I'm with uh, Mario Ruffalo, who's the owner of VPR Impex. They specialize in ecological vapor cleaning systems. Mario, how you doing? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Very, very good. All right. Okay. It's that time of the year, spring cleaning. It's always that time of the year to actually have your home and or business clean and uh, so that uh, it's spotless, all right? And you are in the business of keeping homes and businesses spotless. You have some commercial machines right behind you, and you have this one here, which is a residential model. Talk to me about your machines, what they do, and then specifically talk to me about the residential model. So we are uh, dry ecological vapor cleaning, uh, difference between vapor and steam. Steam is white, vapor is dry. We're able to clean, disinfect, and deodorize uh, any surface in the home or in businesses. Um, so that we work on the premise of cleaning and disinfection without the use of any chemicals. Fantastic stuff. Okay, this is a very popular model, the Vapore D50. I know you also have the Vapore D40 right here behind me. Uh, talk to me about the differences in the two models and then maybe if you can tell us how easy it is to use one of these things. Yeah, so uh, the biggest difference between the two is uh, you fill them both with water. The D40 is going to work uh, with a safety cap, so after about 45 to 50 minutes of use, you're going to have to bleed it out and refill it. With the D50, however, you have what we call continuous fill. So in the back, instead of having access to a safety cap, you have access to a cold water reservoir. You add your water, 
and you work. You run out of water, you refill it, and you keep going. So you got no coffee breaks with the B50. All right, this uh, sounds pretty easy to use. So uh, just elaborate a little bit more on how we would use this. So you fill it up with regular water, regular tap water, turn on the machine. It's going to take about 12 minutes to heat up. Once it's heated up, you're ready to go. You would connect your hose. You have a variety of attachments, which will allow you to clean uh, your floors, your walls, your ceilings, kitchens, bathrooms, mattresses, furniture, detail your car with it. I clean my hockey equipment with it. Uh, your imagination is going to be the limit of how far you can take vapor technology. All right, so you basically can clean anything with this and no chemicals. Right. Off the premise of water and steam. Water That's transformed it. into vapor at high temperature. So with uh, residential lines, we're working at 120 degrees Celsius, our exit temperature. So at that temperature, we're able to clean and disinfect. And we have scientific certifications on the banners behind me um, justifying our, our claims. Your family's been in this business for a long time. Since 1994. Since 1994. All right, they obviously know what they're talking about. The Vapore D40, the Vapore D50. These products are popular everywhere around the world in terms of ecological vapor cleaning systems, specifically in Europe. Yeah. And you guys are really spreading the word to North America. Yeah, we were the first ones. The technology has been around in Italy since the late 70s. We were the first ones to bring real vapor technology to North America in 1994 when my father brought in our first units. Uh, and now we began manufacturing our own line. So the Vapore label uh, is our label and that's our own manufacturing, which is still done in Italy. And we take care of uh, all of North America and South America. A lot of people don't like cleaning the house and around the house. Now cleaning becomes fast and it becomes fun and you can do it as a couple. And for all you men out there watching, and I'm sure you're watching with your girlfriend or your wives, huh? Happy wife. Happy life. Get her a Vapore D40 or a Vapore D50. Give Mario a call. He's at VPR Impex. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Mario. All right, there you have it. And now, I got one of these. I'm Marinaro. It's the Sick Podcast. Mario, hold the mic for a second. How happy is my wife going to be after cleaning with one of these? Felicità, senti nell'aria c'è già la nostra canzone d'amore che va. I just helped you out, man. Get a Vapore, D40 or D50 at VPR Impex. All right. All right. Uh, there you have it. All right. Okay. Welcome back. Okay. Uh, special hello to uh, Mario. As a matter of fact, uh, I, you know, we go way back about 15 years. Uh, we've had a uh, one of their... Um, uh, previous model cleaning systems before and uh, now these are some of their newer models they're absolutely fantastic and uh, they're great so vpr impex let's bring it up i'll talk to you about them once again vapore ecological dry vapor cleaning technology from vpr impex allows you to clean and disinfect surfaces faster and more efficiently without the need for harsh chemicals for residential and for commercial and by the way schools hospitals daycares uh, old age homes uh, and you saw everything it can can clean and and sanitize from your walls to your to your bed to your mattress to your furniture to your counters to your fridge to your stove to your dishwasher. Even comes with certain attachments, and you can even uh, you know steam off the uh, and clean the barbecue. And once again, without uh, any chemicals. Uh, located at sixteen six forty one Hymas in Kirkland. 
vprimpex.com is the website, and this is the number at 514-733-2468, where cleaning has never been easier or more enjoyable. You're absolutely going to love it. You see, man of the people, I bump into a couple of people who say they missed a couple of shows because they had to clean. There were a lot of things to do, and cleaning took a long time. And uh, the gentleman, Michael, that I ran into, he wasn't overly thrilled about having to do the cleaning. He said it wasn't fun. This can be fun. You can do it as a couple, and it's going to be fast, and it's going to be enjoyable, and you're going to recommend it to your friends. You'll see. Um, Thank you, Mario. Appreciate your time. All right. There you have it. We try and help people out here. This is what we try and do. We're going to continue to do stuff like this and trying to help people out, and we'll recommend it. You know, some some really great products going forward. And uh, tonight, it's the Vapore D40 and Vapore D50 from VPR Impex. All right. For Agnello and Sammy Cavallaro. And uh, for Matthew O'Han, who usually does this on Friday nights, and I was filling in tonight. We're going to be back on Monday night. We'll be back all of next week. Same time, same place, 10 p.m. Eastern. Oh, and by the way, I got confirmation that a Montreal Canadiens player will be joining me next week on Wednesday night. Huh? That'll give you something else to look forward to. Have a great weekend, everyone. Tell your friends about the Sick Podcast. You can watch us live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can listen to us on all social media apps, including Google, Apple, or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review on the audio part and on the video part if you want to. Like it, share it with your friends, and comment right now. Sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. If you like the podcast, it's our way of feeling the love. You are a sick army. You are a sick community. Special thanks to Aaron Portsline and Andre Turigny. I'm Marinaro. Have a great night, everyone. It's the Sick Podcast. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature.